Welcome back to the Underappreciated Movies Podcast, where four friends discuss movies that they love, but nobody else does. I'm Elaine. I'm Carly. John. I'm Tony. Each of us has picked a specific movie genre. I have horror thriller. I have science fiction fantasy. I have drama and romance. I have action and adventure. We take turns selecting from our movie genre movies that, in our opinions, have not received the respect they deserve. You won't see any of these films on anyone's top ten list, but maybe by listening to our podcast, you can give these films a second chance. This is our special Halloween edition. Was this the first one? No, second one. Second. Yeah. Yeah, the first one was Ghost. Yeah. So this episode is Elaine's. And my pick for Halloween is The NeverEnding Story? Question mark? (laughs) It's scary. Scary good. I mean, scary sad? (laughs) It's, it's It's a roller coaster. It's a German film. It's a German. It is a German film. It's based off a German book. Well, I was going to do a different movie, but then I changed my mind to do this because we kept talking about Never Ending Story. So. What was the other one? I was going to do The Brothers Grimm. Oh, that's right. But I can... You can always do it. I can always do that. Or I can do it. But I just thought that would be a fun one for Halloween pick. Oh, yeah, you could do it too. You could, but you won't because you don't like that movie. We'll see. Or maybe, maybe if you watch it again, you would like it. We'll see. Matt Damon is great, and so is Heath Leather. But you know who what else he, is he great? Who? Heath Leather. Heath Leather. Heath Leather. <laughs> it's very soft. <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta make sure you put that stuff on. I it. Is it genuine leather? <laughs> I think I might need to go see a neurologist. I have a lot of trouble speaking lately. Like, a lot. It happens to me at work all the time. I'll forget words, or I'll slur my words. You no, know, come from a place and like, a thing. With the stuff. It's real bad. I think I might need to see a neurologist. I lose, I've been losing words. Yeah? Yeah. I'll be like, what are we doing today? What's that thing called where we all sit around a table and we talk with the thing? Podcast? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it also could be called D&D. It's called what? The thing where we all sit around and talk Yeah, about it could things. be called that. could be more than one thing. All right. So The Never Ending Story is from 1984. A great year. <laughs> the year you're born? Yes. <laughs> also created in 1984. Um, it had a budget. Well, you were both created in 1983. You came out in <laughs> Facts. It had a budget of $27 million and it grossed $20 million. Huh. Um, it, this, this cost, no, 15 million Deutschmarks. Yeah. I saw that and then I saw that there was a second one and I was like, why did There's they make three. a second There's one? There's three. Because I'm telling you. The VHS on this was probably crazy. Let me tell you. <laughs> it was a the, This is really People funny, too. The shit out of this VHS. The thermometer. Because babysitters would put this shit on and just leave you there. Mm-hmm. The thermometer on this is an 83. The audience score on this is an 81. Yeah. The Metacritic score is only a 46. Love that Metacritic. But it I got. Mean, it didn't make its money back. But overall, <laughs> overall, it got a 7.3 out of 10. So like the audience on IMDb really loved this one too because they brought the they brought it up to a seven point three. There's a lot of movies that just save themselves with VHS. You know, you walk into Blockbuster and you're like, oh shit. Instead of going to a theater and some because some of these movies, what was it, Monster Squad? Like played for two weeks. Yeah. Like nobody saw that. You know what I mean? It was really funny because it made five hundred and thirty-two dollars in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> So if you saw New Zealand, you're, you're, you know exactly. When you look at the IMDb, sometimes I like to look at, you know, it tells you what the gross is by from the U.S. and then worldwide. And it wasn't that far off, but it wasn't the same. So I looked at it, and then it was like, it made a little money in Spain, and then it made like $532 in the 
in it was like or no wait maybe it was australia movie night at one theater it was fucking (laughs) hilarious because i'm like what the hell where they promoted in this one little town yeah Yeah, right (laughs) we're gonna have this german movie everybody should come out maybe they did maybe they put it in like it was uh some kind of high school event who knows (laughs) this is really funny um they showed it with the german work but this is based on a book (laughs) a novel by michael i'm not sure how you say your name i'm gonna say N-D, E-N-D-E is how he spells And he is a German writer, and this was adapted uh, by the director, Wolfgang Peterson, and his buddy, Hermann Wiegel. Um, who, I heard he went through Drei Gläser of, oh. um, of whiskey when he wrote this. The author... But he used the German three. Thousand Year Reich. This is a pretty beloved children's book. It didn't book work out. <laughs> in Germany, and the author was furious... About the adaptation, because this is only the first third of his book. Oh, interesting. So, so at the end where they're like, and he went on many adventures. Well, they did that. So the never-ending story, too, is based on additional parts of the book. Like, it's all part of the same book. It's not like something they just wrote to continue the story. Okay. They take other parts of the book. But he was really mad because they only did such a small part of it, and then they fucked that up, too. And... <laughs> Um, it's the third one, the end of the book? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I've never seen that. But I will say the most of the bad trash. reviews, uh, like this one by Carlo BG, says, I don't really know why so many persons love this movie. Maybe it's funny, but it has totally ruined one of the best novels ever written. As Whoa. the author himself said, this movie has betrayed the book. <laughs> not only is this... the not only the story is violently cut to about one-third, but all the symbols, all the complexity, everything is lost in a very 80s fashion fantasy adventure film for kids. Today we have effects... Which was the demographic. Directors, <laughs> a new attention to books. I hope that someone... Transformers. Tim yes. Burton, yes. Peter Jackson. Maybe G.I. Joe. Some Japanese Somewhere. person who I can't say. Someday will direct the never-ending story and a great dead writer, a wonderful book, and many literature lovers deserve it. Um, the author Maybe wanted this. Max series. The author actually wanted Disney, Akira. They own everything. Sorry. How's that? The author was campaigning to get Akira, Akira Kurosawa mm-hmm. to direct this movie. Okay. Mm. That would have so, made it a little bit different. Yeah. Of course, Cricket Bat gives it a 10 out of 10 and says. See, Cricket Bat. Yeah, Cricket Bat. I'm guessing maybe they're from the UK. Yeah. It says, seriously, is there a children's fantasy film better than The NeverEnding Story? This timeless tale works for a variety of ages and still entertains after numerous viewings. It's bizarre, yes, but that's what makes it so memorable. I hope that this will be a favorite of my kids as well, so The NeverEnding Story can continue forever. Well, let me solve that mystery for you. There is a better one. It's called Willow. That They'll remake it eventually. Willow. Well, John, media. what did you think going into this? I thought I've seen this about a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's still the same movie I've seen a thousand times. Mm. Probably not. Tony? I've seen this a million times, too, on HBO um, when I was little. And I was, I was just like, I haven't seen this in so long. I wonder, wonder how it holds up. Mm-hmm. This, this goes into my labyrinth legend there's like a yep. beastmaster whole pool of movies beastmaster did not hold up we Ooh. solved that mystery carly <laughs> i did not know if i had seen this movie and i thought maybe because sometimes like i have those movies in my head uh-huh. that i've seen but in my head they're all one movie or they're you know like different yeah. parts and i was like maybe i'll recognize part of it but i had no idea you didn't and, recognize but, any of it? but 
Had you seen this movie? No. Okay, interesting. <laughs> How did you get out of the 80s and not see this movie? Well, she I was, thought it was required by law. That <laughs> she lived in a cult, though. It didn't win an Oscar, so her mom didn't watch it. <laughs> but she would have been six at the end of the 90s. It wasn't a Disney movie, so my mom didn't buy it. <laughs> there was no taint in it. She, like Beastmaster. Wow. wow. She is my mom loved a Disney time. cartoon musical movie, so we had all of those. I mean, this is more... But this is... I mean, this is more in line with a Jim Henson type creature feature than it is with, you like know, Labyrinth. a Disney princess movie. Yes. Dark Crystal. All that kind of thing. That movie was terrible. It really was. So this was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. He all, he has directed quite a few bangers. Like? Outbreak. Nice. Air Force One. The Perfect Storm, which is a movie you should pick for the podcast. <laughs> Troy, seen it. welcome back to the podcast. Oh. And the Poseidon remake with Kurt Russell. Which I quite enjoyed. I actually like both those movies. That's about a cruise ship that Kevin Dillon. gets hit by I a I saw the original wave. one, but I hadn't seen the remake of it. It's good. They're both good. Um, now, Wolfgang Peterson is also one of the credited writers on this, and he wrote the miniseries Das Boot. Mm. And also this movie called Shad. She got Shad. really excited to say Das Boot. It's fun. Das Boot! Well, I've heard of that, but I've never actually seen it. And then he also wrote the movie Shattered. Which stars uh, the guy from Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Charles Fleischer? Yeah, Bob Hoskins. No. It's good. Um, and then the other writer is, he wrote this with a guy named Herman Weigel who hasn't written anything outside of Germany. So, like, Wolfgang Gag Peterson also is credited on a ton of German things. But I. Nation's Pride? No, not that. That's not even funny. Tony thought it was funny. But it wasn't. It was. It wasn't. And um, so, like, it's he worked Tarantino with this. Thing. See, it's a callback. It's funny. Yeah, but it's not funny. It's funny. It's not. All right, so starring in this movie is Barrett Oliver, who plays Bastion, and he was in Cocoon 1 and 2. <laughs> he was in Cocoon. <laughs> and then. Another movie I haven't seen in like 40 years. Noah Hathaway plays Atreyu. He was on our episode Troll. Yeah. He was also in the original Battlestar Galactica, which is how he got this role. Huh. Um, then we have the childlike empress, Tammy Stranich. Who, who did this and then waited 20 years to do her next film. Yep. Got to take a break. And she then, did not enjoy this. <laughs> is that in the trivia? I was reading something about her. Like, grown men would come up to her and, like, made her... Yeah. And say things to her when she was a child, so she did not want to act again. No, she did not that. enjoy this. Same with Joffrey and a lot of other kids. Then uh, Bastion's father was played by Gerald McRaney. Welcome back to the podcast from the A-Team. Also, Major Dad. Major Dad. Oh, Major Dad. I said, is that Major Dad? <laughs> <laughs> did we do Focus? He's in that, too. Focus? Yeah. Focus no. for Will Smith no. and Mark Rowe. Mm-hmm. No. I think I kept meaning to do that, and every time I'd be like, oh, well, it's terrible, I'll do something so. else. Um, then we have Alan Oppenheimer. Of who, the Oppenheimers? Who does the voice no, for the rock biter. I mean, that can't be a common name. I mean, I'm sure they're related, but he's not related to him. Like, it, it might be common in Germany. Yeah. He didn't help invent the bomb. Um, he does the voice for the rock biter, Falcor, and Gamork. And he is a welcome back to the podcast because he was in Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland as a voice. He was in Nine... As the inventor, mm-hmm. he's also the original voice of Skeletor and the original voice of Vanity Smurf. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Which was pretty awesome because... Which Ske- now makes me... Now you see why the Skeletor and Vanity Smurf never had any scenes together. That's true. In the crossovers. Uh, then we have Deep Roy, who plays Teeny Weeny, <laughs> the man with the racing snail. Which, the fact that they named that character Teeny Weeny is, I don't know, not okay. <laughs> um, he pull, He's in the new Star... He's Welcome Back to the Podcast because he was in Star Trek, which we did as a... Which I picked as a Christmas pick the new star trek he's the little orange alien that oh um, that hang- scotty hangs out with yep and then of course he was in charlie and the chocolate factory as the oompa loompas yeah he did he was he was all of the oompa loompas he was also in flash ah, <laughs> flash gordon nice and you know, then every one of us and he was the tin man in return to oz which i might pick someday hmm. oh please don't <laughs> Then uh, most of these guys... Well, he just are, wants to torture us. That's the problem. <laughs> the Night Hob was played by Tilo Pruckner. Um, I know the one, the, dude, the one dude in the palace, the black dude, was in mm-hmm. a lot of Star Trek. I've seen him. He was the... He was like someone on Star Trek. Moses like Gunn. Yeah. The, he was like the Chancellor or whatever. Yeah. He was also in Roots, Firestarter, and Shaft. Which, which Shaft? The original. Probably oh, OG Shaft. Shaft. That's the best Shaft. Then we Can have Sidney Bromley, who played Englebook, and he was an American werewolf in London. Welcome back to the podcast, then. In the pub, I assume? Uh, he played the character of Alf. And uh, in Dragon Slayer. I don't remember. Dragon Slayer? Yep. Wow. Sometimes I write these down just for you. <laughs> I was like, I haven't seen that in so long. I would like to rewatch that. And then... Um, and then you rewatch it like, I really terrible. wish I hadn't watched that. <laughs> Patricia Hayes, who plays Urgol. Uh, was in Willow. Did I do that? Oh, no. As Finn Rizel. And then... That's Rizel? The shop owner that he steals the book from was played by Thomas Hill, who looks so familiar, and I went through that guy's whole IMDb, and I'd never seen him yeah. in anything else. It's because you Which, grew up watching this movie. I know, but I could have sworn he... I knew him from something else, but I didn't. I was I the same. I was like, it. was he like on an episode of Seinfeld or something? Like, he looked yeah. like he's from something, but I couldn't I place mean, him. Not well-known actors. That's why it cost $29 million. Well, Instead of 70 or something. 50, 50 million Deutschmarks. Yeah. I mean, and it was made in Germany, so these are all, like, actors that would have been in... Germany. German films or whatever. All right, so we open. This movie begins on the world's greatest theme music of all time. It is. Now, Carly, have you heard this theme before? You had to. I can't remember what it was. You'll have to play it. <laughs> well, I will at the end. And, I, and the trivia tells you that they didn't have this song oh, yes. in the German version. Yes. Yes. They had a different I song in the German version. Yes. I was like, that's just a mistake. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a very catchy song. It's stuck in your head. It's so 80s. And then we get all these cool shots of clouds, which reminded me of... Um, Michael. No. Star Trek. No. The, what is it? When they go, is it Star Trek 2 where they go and find Spock's brother? Oh, no, that's, you're talking or, about the 4. Star Trek 4? Well, because. 4. No. It's 4 or 5. The Undiscovered. Thomas Sabak. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because there's matter. like all those, clo- like they have to go through that nebula yeah. thing. And that's what it makes Great me think barrier. of. Um. We see our our hero, our hero, 
our narrator, Bastion, he wakes up. He's not our hero, he's the protagonist. He's fallen asleep next to a book. He puts his bookmark in his book and then he goes down for breakfast. And it's him and his dad. And he tells his dad he had another dream last night about mom. And his dad is like, well, I understand that, but you know, we we need to move on. We have responsibilities. We gotta, you know, kinda <laughs> get ourselves together. And you know, and he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I get you, Dad. Like, we they don't say how long it's been since his mom died, but we kinda got kinda gotta think it's probably been four or five months at this point. Cause if dad is like, You need to get yourself together, you can't be thinking about mom all the time. It's probably been at least five or six months. And then dad says that his math teacher is called and that he was drawing horses in his math book and Bastion is like unicorns dad unicorns and his dad's like what and he's like never mind (laughs) and then his dad says I'm disappointed you didn't try out for the swim team and we talked about getting you riding lessons because you love horses now but you're too afraid to go to get on the horse um and that he needs to get his head out of the clouds and keep both his feet on the ground but I have to keep my feet on the ground and he agrees that he's going to stop daydreaming. So then he leaves for school. And three bullies. One of these bullies was one of the bullies in the original It. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know which one. Talk about typecast. Yeah. And um, they call him a weirdo, which John was really upset by, as if this was a, not a good insult. This was the 80s. You were, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the gloves were off back then. You could have called them all kinds of things. Yeah. Like, hey, weirdo. Yeah, that's not a... If I tell you some of the things we used to call each other in like the what? 80s... I like can't, what? If I say them now, I'll get arrested. Yeah. Uh-huh. They'll give you a show just so they could cancel you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they chase after him, and when they catch him, they shake him down looking for money. But he doesn't have any money. So then they tell him that he's going to have to go in the trash. And they throw him in a dumpster. Which is cool. I like how he gets out. Like, you did, we did not tell you you can get out. Go back in the dumpster. Yeah, so he gets out of the dumpster. That's a straight bully shit right there. They yell at him because he got out. And then they chase him again. But this time he ducks into a bookstore. And they don't, like, he rounds a corner, ducks in a bookstore, and they don't see him. So they run past. So... The bookstore owner is like, hey, I hate kids, get out. <laughs> because in the 80s, you were allowed to say shit like that. Yeah. And, uh... How old are you? I'm a kid. Fuck off. And instead of... Now you get fired and, and canceled for that. You can still tell a kid to fuck off. I don't think you can. Yes, you can, because if it's private property, you can control who's on your you property. To, you have to worry about their emotional well-being. Yeah, but crotchet old men who own bookstores don't care. Get off my lawn. Actually, most people don't care. Uh-huh. Do you have money? No, get out of my store. <laughs> that old girl's in the craft. <laughs> that five-finger discount. Seeing as how people who shop at stores don't give a crap about the emotional welfare of the associates that they're berating, I don't see why All the right, associates have to care about the emotional welfare of shit kids. Anyways, so, Bast- so Bastion wanders farther in, and the guy says, there are no video games here, just books. But you wouldn't even know what those are. And then Bastian Clint says that he loves to read. And the guy says, these are not comic books. And then Bastian says, no, I've read Treasure Island and 200 Leagues Under the Sea and The Wizard of Oz and Tarzan and listing all these classic and children's Lord of the Rings. books. 
And this impresses the bookstore owner. And then a couple they... drabbles that Tony's in. <clears throat> and they have a little chat. And Bastian asks him about a book that's on the guy's desk. And he says that that's a special book and it's not for him. And the one that he's currently reading, he's like, oh, okay, well, I'll just yeah. do it. Well, and Bastian's like, what do you mean it's special? And he says, when you read a book, you get to be Robinson Crusoe or Captain Nemo. But when the book ends, you get to be a little boy. Well, this book, it doesn't like that. This book is dangerous. And he's like, well, then how are you reading it? And he's like, well, I'm awesome. Oh. Because it's like this, it only works on kids. Because if this guy's reading it and like, well, this one little boy has to say <laughs> my name. He's like, can't be talking about me. Yeah, he's not talking about me. <laughs> Actually, I think it probably the story changes every time you read it. Because it's a never-ending story. Uh, uh, uh. Hope he comes with a better so name. So he tells him that the book isn't safe and that it's not for him. But the phone rings. So he gets up to answer the phone and Bastian steals the book. He does leave a note that says, don't <laughs> worry, I'll bring it back. You little but shit. But that's not... And the store owner gives like a look he, like he wanted yeah, to stab Like he somehow. planned that. Like it's a smirky this face. exactly what yeah. he wanted to Because have. he knows that the Empress is dying and needs a little boy to give him a new name. <laughs> so here's a little boy. Yeah. It's all part of me. He kidnapped him. He hoodwinked him. All right. So we get, by the time he gets to school, he's late. Mm-hmm. And class has started. So it's he like gets, math test. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> he peeks into his math class and sees that there's a math test. And he decides that he's going to ditch. But he doesn't leave the school. He goes up into... He goes and gets the key out of the secret key hiding place. Oh, it's like a, like a cup and he reaches mm-hmm. over and grabs it. And, and unlocks his door to... The attic. The, the attic, attic? The storage area? Alright. Does the school that you work in have a weird, creepy attic? Not that I know of. No, because schools don't have weird, creepy <laughs> attics. How do you know? Now, I will say, last year I had some furniture delivered, and there is a spot in the school that's like a storage of room. large storage items, but it is not up. It's where it gets delivered and it just like hangs out there until well, it gets out. They don't tell you about the super secret um, attic Look, where they keep all the weird stuff or kids will go up there and fornicate. I know they have like, roof access, but I don't, I don't no, you know. No, they wouldn't have Like if they had a old classroom that was storage, <laughs> it would be jammed full of as much crap as you could put in there, right? So it wouldn't have all this empty Well, this space. is Germany, okay? Things are different. And like even like your drama department, because they have old sets and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. It still would be jammed in there. And, the, and this looks like an Elaine's, attic. Elaine's yeah, it's lot of weird. Yeah, it's, it's like the attic from Charmed. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, a lot of that's... Nobody's hauling stuff up to an attic no. at a school. <laughs> Certainly not taxidermied animals. You don't know that. You've never been to a German school. I just... This was written for Americans because otherwise they wouldn't have filmed it in English. So it's weird. Yes, but the Germans. Nope. The only oh man, I want to make a joke about the only about the only thing in Germans attics being people. That is terrible. Ooh. Look what you did to me. I didn't do that. Yeah, there's no way that you could have all this stuff in a German attic. It's just not. What about a French attic? Is it just the Germans you don't like? 
This week, I bought pretzels from the German club at oh, yeah? my school. <laughs> you know what I like? German chocolate cake. Did you they have, have were they covered in chocolate? Yeah. No, they were just Too soft rich. pretzels. Yeah, the Germans but, have really good uh, chocolate cake. And beer. You ever had a German beer? <laughs> I was talking sure. to the German teacher about how I don't Bigger than American German, beer. but we have a German last name. And I almost said the only German I know is Trigates. <laughs> wow. Wow. But I didn't. I stopped myself. Wow. <laughs> you probably know Gutentag. <laughs> And Dongeshen and Bitteshen. And the Blightsen Bits. No, I can't say it anymore. I just know the word for pretzel. See, that's a different one. That's one's part time in Hollywood. So he starts reading the book. And as he reads, we get immersed in the world of Fantasia. And the remaking of that story. That'd have been awesome. That'd have been super meta. This movie's meta before meta was cool. Just the original meta. OGM. I don't think it is the original meta, but it is meta. Anyways, so he starts reading the book. We get immersed in the world of Fantasia. We see dark, scary woods. And there is a rumble, which... Can you the rumble? Yes. It's a rumble. <laughs> like a mini earthquake. There's a big And countdown. the sound of rolling boulder, boulders. Dun, 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 dun. And we see that this it's the final countdown. Scare this um Europe, good band. Not scarce. It's not scarce. Awakens. I don't you know. You remember Europe, don't you? There's a man okay. with a snail. I was about to play the song for you. And a night hog with a bat making camp. And the bat is sleeping. And this this noise, this rumbling startles them, and they're looking all around like they're scared. And into their camp comes a giant rock man. A rock biter. On a giant rock bicycle. Rocksicle. It's, it's very cool. I think it's a, it might be. It looks like a steam. And he stops. Yes. It looks like he's going to squish them, but he stops just in time, and then he asks them if he can join their camp. And he says that he knows why they've made camp here. All these tastes. Such a great. Rocks. I mean, what are you going to say? No? <laughs> limestone with a hint of quartz. I mean, he's actually a nice dude. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like he's gonna snatch one of them up, but he picks up a rock and he eats it. And when he eats the rock, he almost crushes them because the rock Crumbs. piece. It's like he it's eats rocks eater. like Cookie Monster eats cookies, <laughs> and there's just pieces going everywhere. Um. Then he tells them the story about where he's from. That where he's from, they used to have great rocks like this, but now they're all gone. And he used to live next to a beautiful lake. And one day he woke up, and the lake was gone. And the next day, the rocks were gone. And now there's nothing. And then the man with the snail, teeny weeny, teeny weeny, asks him, like a hole, if there's a hole, and he says a hole would be something. There was nothing. He talks really slow. And there was nothing. He's from, I can't remember if he said he was from the north or the east. But Teeny Weenie says. Pittsburgh, actually. Teeny Weenie says that that's also happening where he's from in the west. That the nothing is, like, everything is disappearing. And the Nighthog is from the land in the south. And there, too that um the nothing the nothing is happening and so they're, they're all from on all the, the different corners where are they going to the center of fantasia okay but uh, so how would they meet each other to the spire 
That does. That is know. an interesting question that I had not considered. All right. So, <laughs> if I'm coming from here and you're coming from here, how do we meet outside of so the So one is from the <laughs> west and one is from the south and one is from the north, but maybe they're all... Which one's going to get the $100 first? Maybe they're all like to the east of the center. So they're kind of coming like... The evil man like hating... this way. Never mind. Because they're almost to the ivory tower. Because the other three are big with your fucking imagination. <laughs> because, okay. all right, so. I guess. I accept that. That's good enough. But they've all been sent by their, they all have the same mission. They've been sent by their respective peoples to meet with the empress. The childlike empress. Uh, Who's not really a child. She's as old as there have been tales. Well, that's why it's not the child empress. It's the childlike empress. I just said that. I explained it. And then you want to explain it again because. Well, you said it like her name was inferring that she was a child, but it's not. I said she was the childlike empress, but she's not a child. Never mind. Well, you wouldn't need to say that because it's in her name, childlike. It doesn't say child. <laughs> hey. Childish. Childish. So they've been sent by their people to go to the ivory tower in the center of Fantasia and seek the wisdom of the empress. And then they're like, well, what are we waiting around here for? Let's get going. So they break camp. And the rock biter is concerned because Teeny Weeny is riding on a snail. And we don't have time to wait for a snail. And he says, don't worry, it's a racing snail. And he's like, we don't have time to worry, wait around for a racing snail either. I'll carry you. And he says, he says no, tally-ho! And he takes off on his snail, and it's fast. <laughs> it is not snail-like at all. Well, it is in And he says, it really is a racing snail. And the Nighthawk is mad because no one ever worries about him and his stupid bat. But him and his bat take off. When I was little, when I was little, that bat was the cutest thing ever. I believe that was before the bats invaded our house and we all developed a (laughs) deep fear of bats. Audra, chime in. Um, And uh, the rock biter. So. The Nighthog and Teeny Weeny take off, but the rock biter says, maybe I'll just take a couple more stones, some of these delicious rocks, for in case I get hungry on the road. And as he stops to pick them up, the wind there's a great wind, and we see these clouds rolling in, and he realizes that nothing is already here. So... Grab a handful of those, because they're going to be gone. Yeah. So then he races <laughs> off, too. The night, and they... We see them travel. There's cool psychedelic music that happens a lot during all these travel sequences. It was the 80s. Yep. And the Nighthog is the first to spot the heart of Fantasia. A great valley appears and in the center of the valley there's like this glistening river and then there's this rock formation and in the center of the rock formation is a glowing spire which is the ivory tower. So we get, we follow the Nighthog and his bat to the top of the ivory tower, and we see that many people here have gathered to see the Empress. The Fantasians. Many, and would you like to tell about the Fantasians? Yeah, Chewbacca's in there, Sidney Bill's in there, there's some other weird looking fuckers in there. E.T. There's one that has a face, three faces? Yeah. All around their head, and it's face, face, face. There's also <laughs> one with their face. I don't think there is one where it's their face. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. But, Cast of Troy's in there with his peaches. So, at the top, so they're they're all gathered around what looks like some sort of flower. 
Looks like a recycled set from Conan. And it opens. And I'm out comes two this snakes man. facing each other. <laughs> like this. The Empress does not appear. Instead, there is this man who the IMDb lists his um, title as Carrion. But, I mean, I just call him the Chancellor. Her Chancellor, because that's what he is. He comes out and he addresses the crowd. It's the Queen's hand. And he says that he knows why they're why they are here. That the nothing, this entity that they call the nothing, is destroying the world. And that they have come here to seek the Emperor's wi- Empress's wisdom. However, he has grave news. The Empress is ill. There's a link between the nothing and her, and she's dying. So the people are very upset. And he says their only hope is a great warrior from the Plains people. They have sent for, the Empress has sent for the greatest warrior of the Plains people who hunt the great purple buffalo, the great one known as Atreyu. Yeah, he hunts buffalo. He alone. In the 80s, it was okay to be a buffalo hunter. Now you're like, whoa, they killed off all the buffalo. It's still well, I've okay. never seen a purple buffalo, so he killed them all. Well, it's still okay to be a buffalo hunter if you are a indigenous American. But if you're a buffalo soldier. No? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that song, what a buffalo soldier is. And I've always wondered when I hear that song, what exactly is this buffalo soldier? But when he... Um, they're African. They're forced to fight, I think, in a war. I can't remember that. When um, Bastion hears the description of the warriors that hunt the they, purple they buffalo, who lost the he looks so up and he fight. checks yeah. on his backpack. He has a patch of an Indian fight of killing a buffalo, hunting a buffalo, <coughs> or an indigenous and native people hunting a buffalo on his backpack. Native Americans not okay anymore? You have to say indigenous. I don't. What is it? <laughs> indigenous native people? Indigenous Jesus. Americans? You can say whatever you want. I don't actually think that, I mean. I prefer to call them by their tribal names like Apache or Navajo or whatever. Because that's more of who they are. Most of them don't know their tribal names anymore, though, because the United States government separated them and broke their tribal bonds. Well, that's what happens in a conquering society. I know. And I know a couple Indians, and they don't care about that. They just said, you can call us Indians. Most of them don't care either. Whatever. (laughs) We got bigger shit to worry about. I feel like... Some people people call us. (laughs) I feel like a lot of that is part of the... White ladies? Agenda. The white lady. It's the old white ladies. Part of the agenda. Mm. Anyways, so, but it doesn't hurt anything to call them indigenous people. Mm. Anyways, but you see him, he's got a patch on his backpack, so you kind of think that this story is specifically maybe tailored to him and what he likes. And because he is fascinated by the Native Americans, perhaps, because he got this patch on his backpack, the never-ending story is pulling out this... Is making a Treyu part of that culture to interest the boy Bastion because they need him. The Empress, she's very smart. Uh, so this warrior, great warrior Atreyu, he alone has a chance to fight the nothing. Um, Atreyu arrives, but he is only a child, and they laugh at him and they're like, "This is a, this council is no place for children." And he's like, well, I'm I can not go... you, Empress. He's <laughs> like, I can go back to hunting the buffalo, but you called for me. We and... went past for the great warrior. Not a traitor the boy, a traitor the man. 
I'm the only warrior in my tribe called the Treyu. And so, but he starts to leave, and then the Chancellor says, wait. And asks if he's willing to go on a quest to find a cure for the Empress's illness. And he says, of course. And then he says, take this advice. You must go alone. You must leave all your weapons behind, and it will be very dangerous. And then Atreyu says, is there any chance for success? And the guy says, no, he goes, I don't know. But if you fail, the Empress will surely die and our world is destroyed. You have to go find something. We don't know what it is. You can't take weapons or friends. No. And I'm like, because later we find out that the Empress does know what he has to do. Right, right, right. But she's kind of an asshole. Couldn't he bring weapons? And yes, this quest was impossible. (laughs) (laughs) He hadn't met the the people he dragon dog. (laughs) Dalcor, luck dragon. Perhaps the you could buy a little plush luck dragon. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, but I got, want like a life-size one. It's going to be in the backyard. You like got to wonder, the was the luck dragon sent by the Empress when it seemed know. as though he was going to fail? Because she Maybe. knows all. Because he had to go 10,000 miles. <laughs> well, the whole point... That's like from here to China? The whole point <laughs> is that it was an impossible quest. The long way. And Bastion, as someone who reads a lot of books, knows that it's going to... that. Oh my God! It's going to be such a great adventure. This impossible quest that he must find. It's going to take like three hundred pages. That is a big book. Yeah. Um, But this kid read the Lord of the Rings. That's true. (laughs) The Lord of the Rings aren't really that big of books. I feel like Robinson Crusoe is a bigger book than Lord of the Rings. I don't know. I haven't read either of them. I don't know. Um, you've never read any of the Lord of the Rings trilogy? I don't like Lord of the Rings. I just, I think of the Lord of the Rings as a little boring for a little kid. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the movies are okay, but I don't get all crazy about them. I don't know. I wouldn't think that those books are boring. (laughs) Lord of the Rings? Yeah. For a little kid? Yeah, there's a lot happening in the book. (laughs) It's not just hobbits hobbits, walking, and there's a, and the hobbits are very entertaining. (laughs) I don't know. I, I read the book Roots when I was in fifth grade, so <laughs> I can't judge. Which anyone would think... A little light reading, you know, something jovial for a little elementary school kid. Yeah. One of my friends, their family had, like, children's abbreviated versions of a lot of, like, mm-hmm. Treasure Island and Robinson Crusoe's. I read a lot of those, but I never read the real one, you know? <laughs> now you just watch, like, an eight-minute YouTube They were video. still... They're good. They were, like, short... But they were still pretty thick, mm-hmm. and they just had a few pictures, but it was mostly... I read Treasure the Island. Points. I don't know. I don't think that stuff's boring, though. Longer than Eclipse Notes, but shorter than the original. <laughs> so he gives Atreyu the Orin. A... Two snakes. Two snakes intertwined. Facing each other. I was like, like it's two snakes! <laughs> <laughs> but they're not, they're not facing each other. They're yeah. like this. They're intertwined. They're intertwined. It's, it's more like or- a... Ouroboros. Yeah, like Ouroboros. Ouroboros, Ouroboros. Or however you say that. Arabolus? Um, Arabolus? <clears throat> no, there's there's no... It's O. It's, it's not It's A's. like O-R-O-R-O-R-B-O-S or something. It's two snakes. It's a snakes eating O-R-O- each other. O-R-O... I think it's O-R-O-B-R-O-S. Ouroboros. Um, it will guide and protect you. The Empress gives it to him to guide and protect him. Nope. Well, so then Atreyu takes off sword. on his trusty steed Artex. Artax. As he Artax. Artax. Uh, I think it's more Artex. 
No, because he yells our tax for like 20 minutes. Nah, uh, some dumber than that. Um, Rex. <laughs> here to do the, the Empress's. I'm here, I'm not, nah. I'm here to do the Empress's bidding. Nah, if you were on a horsey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Atreyu's on his horsey, wait, and wait. he rides off. And as he rides off, he passes our three representatives that we've met, Teeny Winnie, the Nighthawk, and the Rockbiter, and they see him off. And um, we hear Bastion read that across Fantasia, the, a creature of darkness has also begun a quest. And we see the Gamork, which is like a big gross wolf. Travis thought was from, recycled from the thriller video. <laughs> the wolf? He does look like him. Yeah. What year did Thriller come out? I think it was the same. Probably 84, 83, 82. Yeah. I know it came out before American Horror of London. <sighs> so. No, that video was awesome. We yeah. see Atreyu. Almost time. Done by the same person. Mm-hmm. Traveling. And then after a week of searching with no signs, Atreyu and Artex are now being tracked <laughs> by the dark creature, the Gamork. So Artex and Atreyu stop to 82. eat. Just so that we can get a flash of Gamork tracking them. The giant wolf thing. And then as Atreyu eats, uh, this reminds Bastion that it's lunchtime. So then he has half a peanut butter sandwich. No, he takes a bite and says, no, we have so far to go. We should save it. So you took not too much. Whatever. He took a bite. I'm like, all right, dude, you're, you're going like right there. You're not going anywhere. Then we get a bunch of travel scenes. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Travel then- montage! And we see Gamor tracking them as well. So Atreyu and Artex have searched all over with no success. There's only one place left, which is to seek the wisdom of Morla the Great One in the deadly swamp of sadness. And everyone knows that if you let the sadness overtake you, then you will sink into the swamp forever. It's very gross and muddy. So he, they go through the swamp. And this is after the death of Optimus Prime. Pretty much the most heartbreaking thing that happened to any child <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah, it was a tough one for a lot of kids. So, as they travel... Ask anybody in their 40s. Remember when Artax died? Like, oh, fuck, dude. <laughs> and again, even as a grown-up, this is horrible to watch. Because Artax stops. He stops and he gets swallowed by the swamp of he sadness. He stops moving. He gets, he gets and Atreyu tries to... Continue. It's like, oh, it's too hard for you. We'll turn around. But Artex cannot move, and he's starting to sink. The horses gets real sad. And to sink. Atreyu is like, you he have to move. jokes, but the, the horse doesn't get him, so he keeps <laughs> Atreyu does not sink, and we see that we he's, he's protected like, so by the orange. Tomato, a baby so he doesn't sink into the walking. And the baby tomato falls but behind. And he squishes even though he is very ketchup, sad. Ketchup. He is very sad because his horse is sinking. Not, and he yells, at, he's, he yells at the horse. Right, yeah. So Atreyu You're blows. my friend. I love you. Yeah, but he gets over Then he says, stupid <laughs> horse, you have to move or you'll die. Artex, please. Which is pretty much the tone of voice he used. Elaine just said that uh, that Atreyu seems to be protected by the amulet. Yes, oh. by the orange. So that's protected why, by the even though why he's sad, that's why didn't he doesn't sink. But why didn't he put it on the horse? Because he didn't know that it, that's what was keeping him from sinking. <laughs> he's just a dumb kid. They probably should have sent an adult on this some really important Maybe get some problem solving going on. Yeah. But Maybe they should have sent more than one little kid to go save the entire move world. And sinks into by the horse. swamp yeah. and it yeah. destroys... 
Like, like if he, you had, she knows a luck dragon. What the fuck? <laughs> if you had one shred of hope left after the death of Optimus Prime, this destroyed it because <laughs> horrific. This came out before. Um, yeah, that was eighty five. Transformers eighty six. Eighty five. Eighty five. Eighty six. Whatever. Yeah. So. This, was, but this was this was what started everybody off in yeah. their sadness, and like a year or two after, yeah. Optimus Prime kicked a buck, and we're like, "Fuck it, we got nothing to live for. We're done. We're done." And then middle ice came we're, out. We were like, "We're, we're okay. watching. We're watching My Little Pony and GI Joe from now on. <laughs> Nobody ever dies." <laughs> and then a world of bronies were born. Uh, so Atreyu and Bastion <laughs> both cry. It's very sad. Atreyu, though, does not give up because he is a mighty warrior and he knows that he has to keep going to save the Empress and their world. So he keeps continuing to the swamp and he finally reaches a hill in the center of the swamp and he, com- and he climbs up it and he calls for Morla. And... The hill starts to move, and he falls off. And it turns out that the hill was not a hill. It's Morla, who is a giant tortoise. So Bastion screams. And Morla and Atreyu hear it. How would Atreyu know this turtle? And he doesn't know this turtle. Who calls for the turtle? He knows. He, call, he knows that the great one's name is Morla, but he doesn't know that the great one is a turtle. Okay. And he knows he has to go to the shell mountain or whatever. Okay. So he found the hill. He climbed it. Then and it he ends called up being the name. The hill yeah. is the turtle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Plot twist. And then another really slow talker. Oh, he's really old. He's got time. He's a turtle. Yeah. You forgot. <laughs> it's not a racing turtle. He's like we. You got a mouse in your pocket? Yeah. Well, no one's been here. So we talk but to ourselves. Bastion is freaked out. Like, oh, so you're crazy. Because they heard a scream when he screamed. Because turtles are scary. <laughs> I don't know Look, why if you see screams. a giant turtle, you'd scream too. <laughs> like a big turtle. All right. Like some sea turtles get pretty big. But not this big. Yeah, but Atreyu didn't scream. Bastion screamed. And he didn't see a turtle. He read. I mean, it was a giant turtle. I mean, fun fact. <laughs> this is the actual sea turtle that Jack Sparrow rode to get off that island. That's not facts. Um, <laughs> it's I kinda, the turtle that's supposed to man, fight. Man, what did though. I read? I was reading something. It might have been in the trivia that there was a deleted scene here. And that something. He screamed because of something else. And that's uh. why they heard it. But they cut that part out. But I can't remember what it was. Because so it it, that left, was yesterday when was, I read the trivia. And why I did he scream? Because <laughs> he's reading in the book, and then there was a giant turtle. Ah! <laughs> like, uh, oh, I think right. there was something okay in the kid? attic or whatever that startled him, and then they heard it. But So he's confused, but Morla talks to... Could just have like a little spider or something walk across and freak him out. Good. Gormok getting Morla close Morla keeps sneezing. And or whatever his name is. Bastion all, all over bash, uh, Atreyu. Atreyu, yeah, him too. Because Morla is apparently allergic to youth, which is interesting. Well, it's subjective. Um, <laughs> but Morla doesn't care about the Empress or the nothing. She doesn't even care that she doesn't care. But Atreyu is adamant that, that Morla needs to tell Atreyu how he can help the the um, Empress, he even tries reverse psychology, which seems to impress Morla, but still, she's like, I, I don't know. It's too bad, because I, can't, I don't know how you can save the Empress. And he's like, you must know something, and she tells him that he has to go and ask the Southern Oracle, but he'll never get there because it's 10,000 miles away, and he's just one little boy on foot. So why the hell 
Did the childlike empress send him here? The childlike empress didn't send him here. He, ser- he was searching for a way to defeat the nothing, and he couldn't find anything. So he went here following... Like, this is, must be common Fantasia wisdom about... Oh. Like, Bastion just reads it in the book as if everybody knows that if you need to have a question answered, you go it to Morla, not. the Great One, in the middle of the Swamp of Sadness. Right. Watch out. I mean, that is a way to keep people away from you. I don't want a bunch of people bothering the shit out of me while I'm trying to sleep, so I go into a swamp that eats you if you're sad. <laughs> I would not Oops. survive that swamp. Um, and then, so... Atreyu is defeated here. He feels very defeated. And then Bastion is interrupted by the bell. School is out. So he gets his stuff and he goes to leave. And stays in the school. But instead, he sees all the kids leaving and he's like, you know what? This is such a great reading spot. And he decides to stay and read his book. Um, did your dad go on an out-of-town trip? <laughs> I was thinking that Carly too. Said the same thing. I was like... They are looking for this kid who yeah. never showed up to school. Oh, you got to believe his math teacher called his dad. Yeah. <laughs> it was the 80s. Kids can't just disappear. It's one of the good things about the world. Even, Even in the 80s, if you didn't show up for school, for they called your parents. You end up on the side of a milk Although I did laugh, not laugh, but I did go, wow, in the beginning when he, when he can go to school by himself and it's like 10 city blocks away, like in a big city. It's like, wow, nobody would do that nowadays. Well, not in America, but in lots yeah. of other countries they do. Right. America's just a terrible place. It's dangerous. They probably do in Germany. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I think Germany is like a really safe place to live. Most is places it? are safer than... Like, there's not a lot of... Well, there's crime, obviously, but not like a whole lot of violent crime. Like, no one's stealing kids in Germany. Hmm. Actually, they probably are. Usually when someone steals a kid, it's because their kid is very well off and it's a ransom thing. Yeah, or human they trafficking. Don't just, they don't just... Steal kids. Human trafficking. That's more Francis thing. At least that's what I learned in Taken. Oh. <laughs> well, it's a documentary. Where you get all of the good information. You've <laughs> got a very specific set of skills. <laughs> well, human trafficking is mostly women, though. Little girls, yeah. Yeah. All right, so I read it, or I found it. Uh-huh. Um, the initial appearance of Falcor, where Atreyu rescues him, rescues him from... I can't say it. Gromul the Many. A swarm of poisonous wasps taking the form of a giant spider. That's where Bastion's scream being heard by the characters was supposed to happen. So yeah. a swarm But it was really hard for them to do that. Wasps so it was nice shaped like a giant spider. That's pretty terrifying. That's kind of fucked up. Because <laughs> it's like... That's what's in the book. Is scary enough. But they make... That's the giant. shape of a giant spider to fuck yeah. with you more. That's what's also, in the book. And also, which, which wasps have to be the ones everyone steps on? You know? Like, if you're walking along the ground, who, who has to be the feet? That sucks. <laughs> I don't know, man. Because you can fly, you know? But you Maybe it's a giant the... flying, flying spider. <sighs> I mean, this is how many heart attacks do they want us to have? <laughs> just, I don't know. I've, just the two. <laughs> I'm, I've always been kind of intrigued to read this book. It's, it's one yeah. of those things. some shit. In this yeah. The second cutscene involved Atreyu and Falcor encountering the wind giants. Giant creatures made of clouds. The ate at Taco Bell? And being caught in oh. a fight between them. <laughs> wow. All right, so... I mean, there's only so much shit you can book, put in this movie, I imagine. Cause... This book might be really so, interesting. <laughs> it begins to storm 
He freaks out a little bit, but he's like, no, I'm not going to quit. A tray you wouldn't quit. A tray you probably would have went home and, or, and also would have taken his math test. Let's be real here. Atreyu is not the kind of kid that, stri- that skips math. No. But. <laughs> He's responsible. So Atreyu continues to slog through the swamp to get out of the swamp now. And Gamork catches up with him. And just as he is about to be tackled and eaten by Gamork, he's saved by um, Falcor. The luck dragon. The luck dragon at the last second. Part dragon, part puppy dog. All awesome. Cop. Oh. Cop? cop? All cop. That's Robocop. No, this dude is not a cop. No. He's not a co-op. So then Bastion, we get a little narration from Bastion. He, I think we see him like heave a big sigh of relief because he was so sure Atreyu was about to get eaten by the Gamork. And he's just like, oh, thank God. And the Gamork's like, shit. So, actually I'm never shit. catching this motherfucker again. Then we hear a little bit of narration as we get back into the story. We After days of unconsciousness, Atreyu wakes up clean no. with his wounds tended, and he's snuggled up with so, Falcor. Is that like a herald of the nothing? What? Yeah, well, he worships the nothing. I don't know much about the book, but I read up on Mark because I liked him. In the, it tells you in the final fight scene... Gamork tells you that he is the nothing's servant because, and he talks about it. We'll get there. Because he saw, he saw what, what forces were allied against the nothing to save it. And he's like, I'm betting on nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Childhood Empress knows all the answers and won't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and we're talking to turtles that live in swamps. And this, this, is, this is not easy. Uh, and there's a luck dragon that I'm pretty sure is stoned. Yeah. <laughs> so then... Uh, Atreyu is freaked out a little bit that he's snuggled under the paw of this dragon. Although, I don't know that I would be that freaked out because clearly I haven't been eaten and I was given a bath. Although, people don't like it when they were given a bath and they didn't, they weren't conscious for it. Because then you're just a little concerned. That's but true. So maybe, it could go either way. Um, so but he tries to sneak pants? away, but the dragon is not actually asleep. And uh, the dragon Going tells somewhere, <laughs> and he tries to say that he wasn't, but I was he just fails. Going to the... Trying to sneak away. Then he says, "I like children." Oh, and Atreyu says, says, "For breakfast." For breakfast, and he goes, "No, no never." He introduces himself as Falcor, the Luck Dragon. His mother had a little dog named Falcor. It died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had Falcor for a very long time. She loved that dog. What kind of dog was it? Did it look like Falcor? No, it was a little white dog. Hmm. I don't know. Blood dragons are large and pink. He hmm. was like this big and like a fluffy, fluffy dog. You'll see when I get you your Falcor plushie for Christmas. He's <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't know. Freak out the cats? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he asked for help with an itchy ear. Which is adorable. I can never quite get it. And that's why everybody now thinks that he's part dog. He's also a little slow talker as well. He's a slow talker. He does not seem to have any sense of urgency. This man has been eating some shrooms. Everybody's on the ganja in that. Uh-huh. He's very he's way too relaxed for all for what the situation calls. Yeah, he well, does a little not give a shit. <laughs> he's a little bit like Domino where he's like, it'll work out. Everybody else is kinda like, Yeah, nothing's coming and we can't stop it. Who gives a fuck? This guy's like, dude, I didn't give a fuck anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and it all works out for me. I'm a luck dragon. 
And then Atreyu says that he has to get to the Southern Oracle. And Falcor says, don't worry, we're, we're almost there. And he's taking him. He's like, you took me the whole 10,000 miles? And he says, no, no only 9,891. Nine, nine, how fast is this dragon moving? And he said, how did that happen? And he says, with luck. <laughs> he says, never give up and good luck will find you. And that's why he was able to find him because he didn't give up in the swamp. He kept going. Hmm. Um, and then Atreyu says that he's happy to not be alone anymore because he's been very upset since Artax died. Yeah, like a week both ago. minutes out. Also, presumably, he lost all of his supplies. And him. all of his people. <laughs> the whole world's getting eaten while, while we're sitting here bullshitting. Well, but it's been like a week and a half since his horse killed itself. Um, well, it was just too So Falcor says you are not alone. And then he points I to this cave oh, and he said and shows him that other people have helped him as well. And it's a witch. And we see a small little man and a small little woman and they're arguing about Atreyu and what he needs. She's eating like what, wings or something. They're having an argument if he needs scientific research about the Southern Oracle or potions to get better. Uh, or both. They see that he's awake and they're very excited. Oh, Atreyu. I like how he's he dealt like the Urgle asks him how he's feeling and he says or if it hurts and he's like just a little bit but I'm fine and he, she's like I like that the patient telling the doctor when they're well <laughs> and then gives him some bat wing broth it's got all everything you need I have new and fung like she lists the ingredients it's gross yeah, don't no. drink that no if you're gonna no, give no, me no, that no. don't tell me what's in it yeah I'm gonna throw up like this is coming back and um with a vengeance like die hard. You and then have exactly four gallons. <laughs> Atreyu tells them that he's here to find the Southern Article, and Oracle, then not Article. He's <laughs> here to find the Southern Article. It's yes. at the bottom of the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yes. <laughs> oh, and and we we've, we've broken a lane. Oh. She's like. And Urgel and, and Engelbook at the same time say that it's my scientific speciality, which is one of the, my favorite lines because it's so funny. He's something of a scientist himself. Yes. And to the, to the wench witch. Engelbook takes him to Atreyu to his observatory. He has a telescope um, that looks out over the first gate of the Southern Oracle. So, yes, he says to the wench wench. Because she has to winch him up in a basket while Atreyu just climbs. Because they're like one-seventh the size of Atreyu, who's a small child. <laughs> so they must be very small. And um, so they look, he has Atreyu look through the telescope. And Atreyu says, is that the Southern Oracle? And he says, no, my boy, that's only the first gate. There are two gates before the Oracle. And he tells um, Atreyu that the Sphinx's eyes stay closed until someone who doesn't feel his own worth tries to pass. These two giant-ass stone Sphinxes like, look yep. at each other. With boobs. With boobs. Well, the best Sphinxes have. I was like, geez, we got TikToks. Those are some <laughs> Those are... And I said, Tony, when you watched this when you were nine, were you looking at that? That's yes. those titties? I'm he goes, sure I was. I'm sure. <laughs> I 100% took remember boobs being... where you could get them in the 80s. <laughs> Which was everywhere. Which yeah. was everywhere. Which was everywhere, to be fair. 
there may be there may be a correlation between my love of horror and boobs appearing in horror a lot in the eighties. So I mean, like, why did they have boobs? Because it was the eighties, and it was required by law that you had to have a pair of boobs in every movie. It's and this is how they snuck them into the kids' movie. Facts. I mean, we have done. RC quite had a f- boobs in the Transformers movie. I don't know why. <laughs> We had quite a few, we've done quite a few weird movies from the 80s, and they all have boobs in them. Yes. Some unexpectedly so. Like, why, like, why is look- that woman's boobs out? Just because it was the 80s. Because the 80s. And- We're like, oh my God. And the director's sitting there and is like, oh shit, we don't need boobs. Oh, crap. Uh, whip them out. <laughs> <laughs> cool, thanks. Moving on. Answer the door with your tits out. Okay, yeah. really? <laughs> Smash the wall and some girl's naked in there. Because. I feel like, you know how they try to like, like nowadays... There's always the discussion of where do you put the one fuck yeah. in your PG-13 movie. <laughs> so you think in the 80s it was where do we put our one pair of tits in the PG I don't movie? Because this movie is PG. This is before PG-13 was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot, also a lot of 80s movies that are PG that you're like, this is PG. And they spend a lot I think of Jaws time was PG. focusing on the boobs on these things. Like, he's standing there looking up and it's not like he just walks by and we're like, oh, wow, that sphinx had boobs. We're like, okay, well, well he's looking at their eyes. Yeah, he's but not looking. To I mean, be fair, I he's small and he's looking up at them, yes, so it's, it's I mean, all you can really... fair, he was like, the camera, minute, that thing has eyes? The camera is looking at <laughs> the boobs. eyes are up here. But he, he's not looking at their headlights. He's looking at their eyes. Yeah. But Yeah, right. We see a knight approaching. He's, he's a little and boy. And Book is really... Like, the eyes are going to kill you. It's like, this thing has eyes? He ex- gets excited because... He's like, I'm going Atreyu out. is good because we're going to get to see the sp- if somebody passes the gate. Now, if the boobs so, opened up and killed him, he'd be he'd be known that. <laughs> Laser tits. That's uh, Taserface's cousin. Laser, laser tits? tits, yeah. Chapel laser tits. Laser tits is a scarier name than Taserface. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why she lived through the movie. She's going after Ragged Raccoon. She probably named. She probably laser came tits. first, and his name was probably like Mitch, and he. Mitch. Yep, Mitch. He looked like a Mitch. And then uh, look more like a bitch. And his cousin, he found was laser tits. Hearing the exploits <coughs> of his great cousin, laser tits, he decided to change his name to Taserface because that's the best he could come up with. Because somebody named Mitch can't come up with anything better than Taserface. And Scrotum Hat was taken. Yep. Yeah. That was their other cousin. Yeah. Him and Flame Dong. <laughs> All right. So we see a knight approach, and he goes through, and Anglebook is. Upset because Atreyu won't stop looking through his telescope. And he's, he's like, like, it's my research. I get to look. But and Atreyu's like, fuck off. He's like, I got to go through this shit, man. I want to yeah, see Which, it always makes on. sense that Atreyu would watch the whole time. You can watch he me go through it. The, he's like, how many times have you seen this? Yeah. Yeah, that's also upsetting. And it's your scientific speciality. You're writing a huge book about it. Um, For who? So, I don't know, the world? Fantasia, all of Fantasia. He says someday he's going to publish his research. You know what? Sometimes if you you don't write for the world, you write for yourself. <laughs> Isn't that correct, Tony? That is true. Anyways, so as the night approaches, we slowly see, like, he keeps asking, are the eyes open or closed? Are they open or closed? Are they open or closed? And in the end, the eyes open, like they're closed. laser oh, good, beams good, good. shoot out, and the night is blasted into atoms. Like, it kind of disintegrates his Physical flesh, but not his outfit. But his armor is still intact. What? What is that? Like, it's like a. Oh man, my brain. <laughs> it's like a, melt a stick. 
Yeah, so, like a mount stick. <laughs> like a... And, Carlo, I, I'm going to remember I, what I that's called. You from Anyways, <laughs> so the eyes, they see straight through to your heart. Get back to uh, ass place. And Atreyu says, Asperg. I'm going to try. Asgard. And he... Nice. Sparkles. And Anglebrook tells him to wait. He hasn't told him about the second gate yet. But Atreyu doesn't listen. So he climbs down the mountain and he goes the last... Well, I guess a couple miles or whatever to this gate because he's still got like how many miles? It's a hundred and yeah, a hundred and nineteen. Yes, hundred and nine. I wonder if if Falcor flew over it, would they just start blasting them? Maybe. Maybe you can't find it if you don't go through the gates. Oh, that's like, the only way to get through it. Like Hamanatra, like Hamanatra. If mm. you don't, if you're not just right at the right place. When the illusion disappears, mm-hmm. you can't find it. Yeah. Okay, fair. And um, so Atreyu approaches the gate as Engelbuk watches through the telescope. He starts out very confident, but as he sees all the remains of the other people who have not made it, he starts to doubt. Be confident. Bastion and Engelbuk are both chanting it. Be confident. Be confident. Be confident. That's my Bastion voice because okay. he's an annoying shit kid. That's true. Um, <laughs> And then we see the eyes start to open. Oh, no. And Bastion yells, run, Atreyu, run. And he does. And he makes it just through. So apparently be confident and also run your ass off. If you run really fast. (laughs) You can beat the light. Well, only the pen will pass. Maybe he was so confident in the fact that he could run fast, they missed him. Sure. Um, (laughs) So they just miss him. Um, Engelbuck There's a tells, lot of small print with these uh, guardians, you know. <laughs> Engelbuck goes and tells Falcor and Urgel that he made it through the first gate. And Urgel is in the middle of giving uh, Falcor a shot of vitamins, which he had filthy Atreyu in his mouth, so he probably does need some vitamins. Yeah. Let's be real here. He may have cleaned him with his tongue. But... He's a dog. Dragon. <laughs> but <laughs> Falcor is like, well, I knew he would make it. Because, you know... He's lucky. lucky. <laughs> and, you no, know. You're lucky. <laughs> and he's like, you know, he's through the worst of it. And Engelbook is like, you don't know any, what you're talking about. The second gate is worse. The mirror gate is next up. And you have to face your true self. And Falcor's like, that doesn't sound bad. And he's like, men run away screaming. Kind men find out that they're really cruel. And... Brave men find, find out, out they're the cowards. cowards. Did I miss it, or do we not see... No, he walks right through. No, no, okay. You <laughs> like didn't he, miss it, but... Like, he walks right up to the mirror, and he looks at it, and goes, cool, no, walks That's in. not what happened. It's 100% what happens. So, all of a sudden, it's a blizzard. And then he walks through the mirror. Atreyu approaches a giant frozen wall with a mirror in the middle. And as he approaches, he sees himself, but he slowly morphs into Bastion. And Atreyu and Bastion look directly at each other. Atreyu does not see himself. He sees Bastion. But he's not scared. He's just confused. Bastion, however, freaks out. (laughs) He closes the book and throws it and says, this is going too far. (laughs) I wonder... Uh, how it's written yeah. in the book that Bastion's reading yeah. that he sees him, the reader. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> also, I'm we don't. Book and then I'm gonna make that. But like, and then you see you. <laughs> then he sees you. Yes, you. The one reading this book. Parentheses. <laughs> Brackets. But, your next story. I want that in there. Okay. But then we flash back to Atreyu, and he's just kind of confused, but not scared. So he touches the mirror, and then he walks through. It's kind of anticlimactic. You think there's going to be this big so, thing, and there's not. He walks up to the mirror. He's like, yep, there it is. Walks right in. Which, I also wonder how this is in the book. What's Atreyu's reaction? Yeah. Like, how... It's, <laughs> but, um, at last, he reaches the Southern Does Oracle. Does he get the Keanu Reeves? Because he's Whoa. a good walker and walks 100 miles. That one, Wilson? Wow. And we got, this time we got, instead of glowing gold... Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. Instead of big-bosomed gold sphinxes, we've got big-bosomed glowing blue sphinxes. They got bluebies. Is <laughs> <laughs> that my favorite tertiary object? Oh, you know man. who... Bluebies? The bluebies. <laughs> wow, this is like only one of two times you could ever use that. The only other time is if you saw a Smurfette porno. Or Avatar. No, I guess there could be bluebies in there too. Oh, I'm sure there will be in the next three Avatar movies. Um, so then the Sphinxes start to speak with him. They tell him not to be afraid. They know that his name. And they've been waiting <laughs> a long time for him to come. So they're so wise, they knew that the nothing was going to happen before the nothing happened. And they knew that one that once the nothing happened, that this boy Atreyu would come out of Quest to meet them and make it, and they would have this chat. I never thought that Smurfette had boobies before. <laughs> and that they would be blue. <laughs> I never thought of her as, I mean, I know she's the girl, but I never thought about her naked, which is probably a good thing. I just, <laughs> The fact that she has blue, but I'm blue all boobies. Know, right now, look at Tony. He's imagining a naked Smurf. It's just funny. A naked female Smurf. I just never think of the Smurfs ever having sex. Well, because they don't have babies. I know. They're created. They're not born. Yeah. So. Smurfette was. She's, she was an aberration anyway. Dr. Was, Mal made her. Yeah. As a trap for the Smurfs. Yeah. We'll talk about that in the Smurf episode. Maybe maybe I'll pick the Smurfs. Did you ever watch the Smurfs? Yeah. Dude, you know what John, the best is? But I don't loved the Smurfs when he was three. <laughs> the best Smurf episode is the zombie one. Where they, they uh all like some of them get infected and they say gnuff gnuff and they bite they bite the tail or something and then they become a Smurf zombie and they all run around and it's taken over the whole place and they all have to barricade their little mushroom huts. It's pretty good. At least that's the only episode I remember. So John loved the Smurfs when he was three. And for a while, his mom would buy him Smurf stuff because, you know, he wants... Like, I had a Smurf glasses. Yeah, Smurf glasses. That's why we have the Smurf glasses. Yeah. <laughs> not as many as we used to, though. They well, made it many a year, but now that we actually use our glasses, we uh, break them sometimes. A couple soldiers falling. Yeah. I gave a couple to Gwen. Yeah. No, oh, that's cool. She liked them, so I gave some to Gwen. Did you doing. have the little Payo toys? Yeah. They had so many of those. The little Smurf ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Because Smurfs were cool. Yeah. I also really liked the Snorks, which were a ripoff of Smurfs. They were just underwater. And I, don't I think, think they, they were the, made by the same company, and they were just they were like, oh, hey, we'll yeah. do Smurfs. I like, also liked the pawpaw bears. Just like when they were like, He-Man's which a thing. Which were tiny right, we need to do more teddy bears that. She-Ra. What's that? Like it's He-Man, but it's Native a girl. Native American Perfect. teddy bears. Yeah, if you're in trouble, and this goes double, you call the pawpaw bears. Yeah. And this is the gummy bears. Yeah. Bouncing There's here and there and everywhere. <laughs> High adventure, it's behind, beyond compare. There are the gummy bears. And then shirt tails. Ooh. Oh, no, that's shirt tails. Ham, Rick. I can't Digger, remember. Digger, Tig, 
Kip, wow. Kip and but they Bogey. were they were different kinds of animals, and they had shirts. Bogey was Humphrey Bogart monkey that solves crimes. <laughs> My favorite cartoon is the Teenage the Teen Wolf <laughs> cartoon. Guys- we're discussing this. I would think you made it up. No. They had a fucking shirt tails uh, thing. The reason I remember shirt tails so much, besides I watched too much of it. I think they lived they, in a tree or you, something. They, a lot of um, whatever their Those big, the key whatever the big craze year mm-hmm. for shirt tails was, like 83 or whatever, a lot of cereals came with iron-on patches like for T-shirts. And I remember I remember making shirt tails so T-shirts. put... The patch of the one yeah. you like. Yeah, you just took it and you put it on your white t-shirt and you ironed it and it's and it made a t-shirt. It was I really also remember, this is a little bit later, um, Wuzzles. They were awesome. <laughs> that, were was like, that was animals. like a mishmash of a couple of animals that shouldn't have been mishmash. <laughs> yeah. And there was Popples, which were animals that turned into balls. They were cool toys, but I never watched the show. I bet yeah. you like GoBots. Nope. No. <laughs> no one likes GoBots. Alfred does. Was there one that they had, like, things in their nose? I remember having a toy when I was a kid that yeah. had a plastic nose and, yes. like, stuff moved but in it. But I don't you... think that was a... Yes, I know what you're talking about, but I don't think that was that a was TV a show. show. Mad balls. They are just balls. Monsters that were balls. And there's Garbage Pail Kids. Garbage Pail Kids were awesome. I had a bunch of Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah. The cards. All right. <laughs> what are those are worth now? Tony, Tony. So the, so the Southern Oracle... Tells him, he says, well, what do I need to do? And he says that the Empress needs a new name. And he says, well, that's easy. I know lots of great names. And they're like, but it needs to be given by a human child. And he's like, a human child? Where How are we going to find one of those? And they say that he has to go beyond the boundaries of Fantasia. And he's, but he's, and he's got to hurry. And as they tell him this, then they start to crumble into dust, I guess, because... The nothing. The nothing, or they've completed their life's work. It doesn't... I don't feel like we get the clouds that kind of... Doesn't really matter. The storminess that precedes the nothing. Or the kid needs to move on and not stop, and stop asking the but, Bluebies questions. Yes. So the Bluebies disappear. No more Much bluebies. like in Jason X when the nipples fall off. Yep. It's disappointing all around. True. So uh, he races back to Falcor, and Falcor tells him to not, don't worry, we'll reach the boundaries of Fantasia. And Atreyu's like, well, do you know where the boundary is? And he's like, no, I have no idea. (laughs) But I have confidence, man, and confidence is key. (laughs) So then we get a flying montage. Um,. Go faster. All right. Hold and as on. they're flying, Bastion mutters out loud that it's a shame they don't ask him because his mother had a wonderful name. Did she? So now we see... We'll get to that later. The Nothing. And the Nothing is represented by these giant storm clouds. It's also very, very windy. They had a hard time trying to, like, visualize. figure out how to visualize they were going to do the Nothing because yeah. it really was nothing. nothing. Yeah. It wasn't a storm. It was nothing. Doesn't it, isn't it like a in one part? Isn't it black that starts creeping in? I think so. I remember something like shadow or something. And that was ghost. Oh. They try to escape, but Atreyu falls off Falcor. When he falls off Falcor, there's a storm happening outside that blows open the window. Bastion goes up to close it and then dives back into the walk. book. Hmm. Atreyu wakes up on a beach. Because gravity's not a thing in Fantasia. Surrounded by cliffs, and he starts aging. No. Oh. 
He wakes up on a beach and he the horn is missing. He he's he's lost his magic amulet and he can't find Falcor. I don't know what that was. <laughs> um, but we can see that the nothing is approaching, and we see Falcor searching for Atreyu. Atreyu walks along the beach and he finds Rockbiter, who is contemplating his hands. They look strong, don't they? But he couldn't I say. I used to them. think so. They look like good, strong hands. I think, damn, Rockbiter can move. We've got thousands he, of miles. He tells Atreyu about his little friends, but he couldn't hold the man with his racing squirrel or snail squirrel. <laughs> that would be that's from something else. And um, <laughs> and the nighthog and a stupid bat. <laughs> a racing squirrel versus a racing snail. I know I have seen something where a tiny person rides on a squirrel, but I don't know what it is. Um, and he tells them that the nothing pulled them out of his hands mm. and they're gone and that he's failed. And Atreyu says, no, I failed because I could not get beyond the boundaries of Fantasia to get a human child to save the Empress. And Rockbiter says that he's going to sit here and wait for the nothing to take him away too, because he's got nothing left. And Atreyu is like, well, I can't, I got to keep moving because I can't give up. I got to, until the nothing takes me away, I'm not going to sit and let it happen. I'm going to keep walking. So he walks along and there are some ruins. And as he walks through the ruins, there's a bunch of earthquakes because the nothing is very close. On the walls in what looks to be a temple, we see the Atreyu's journey. All the different important parts of this journey. Painted on the walls. Yep. It's been foretold. Yeah. So we see him at, you know, talking to Morla. We see the death of Artex. We see him with Falcor. And then on the wall. This giant wolf. I was like, wait, what? Then on the wall, there is the Gamork. And as the he's looking at a picture of the Gamork, when the Gamork, uh, we see, we hear growling, and then Gamork appears. And he tells Atreyu if he comes closer, he'll rip him to shreds. And Atreyu's like, who are you? And um, Gamork says that I'm the servant of the nothing. And I'm the Herald of Galactus. <laughs> and that he, Atreyu tells him that he will not die easy. He's a great warrior. And um, they have this little back and forth. And Gamork tells him, he says... Treyu tells him about he was supposed to reach the boundary of Fantasia. And Gamork is like, you're stupid. Fantasia has no boundaries. Don't you know anything about Fantasia? And he's like, I, and Atreyu's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Gamork tells him that Fantasia is the world of human fantasy. Every part is a piece of the dreams and hopes of mankind. And as dreams and hopes have no boundaries, there are no boundaries of Fantasia. And then Atreyu says, well, then why is Fantasia dying? And he tells him, Fantasia is dying because the people have begun to lose their hopes and have lost or forgotten their hopes and lost their dreams. And people who have no hope, and so as they forget, and then Fantasia dies. And Gamor tells him that he is a servant of the nothing and that he was supposed to kill the one who, the only one who could stop it. But he almost had him in the swamps of sadness, but he lost him. But it doesn't matter now because the nothing is coming anyways. 
And he's like, why would you serve the nothing? And Gamork says that people who have no hope are easy to control, and whoever has control has the power. So Gamork wanted all wanted to be on the winning side and have all the power to be, you know, because... And rule in hell. This part makes me think about those reviews that talk about how it cut out all the, like, the metaphors in the book and stuff like this. And I feel like this is, like, the <laughs> leftover bit. Yeah. Because it's very wise. Because people who have no hope are easy to control. There also is no hope of dope. Which was mm. big in the 80s. And then Atreyu says, well, if we're here, if this is the end and we're going to die, I would rather die fighting. And he says, come for me, Gamork, because I am Atreyu. And, and then in the most anticlimactic fight of all time, <laughs> Gamork jumps at him and Atreyu easily stabs him with a pointy stick. Now, this was because... <laughs> See, this yeah, kid, <laughs> no, this kid got hurt on this set multiple times. Oh, shit. And he the, broke a leg and he almost drowned in the Really? Sand. The yeah. fake claws on the Gamork almost caused him to lose an eye. Jesus. Because they were made of metal. So he got pulled into the um, Swamp of Sadness and he went underwater and by the time they fished him out, he was already unconscious. Oh, Jesus. I didn't know so, that. So the reason that this is the world's most anticlimactic fight is this puppet that they were using almost like gouged out his eye. Jeez. So man. then they were like, well, we can't, we, we just can't. We can't build it again. Because we're going to fucking, this kid's gonna die. we're going to fucking kill this they gave it. They gave it the Indiana Jones treatment. Just shoot it. Yeah, just shoot it. But I mean, he is a great warrior, so it makes sense. We see Falcor finding the Orin in the water, and then we see the nothing has arrived, and the land is being blown away. It's like hurricane, gale force winds. The nothing's blowing who? The land. Oh. And it's blowing it away. And the hammer pulled you off. Atreyu tries to hold on to a tree and screams for Falcor, and again, because it's a lucky son of a bitch, and Falcor is a luck dragon, he arrives just in time. We see Bastion being riddled with suspense. He is so into this book. And we can see that there's only a few pages left. We've reached the climax of our story. Fantasia has been destroyed. There's just a few fragments left floating in a great expanse of space. Which you would think the space should be dark, but there are stars in it. So it's not nothing. Again. It's the almost nothing. It's the almost nothing. And, and... Bastion says, do you think the ivory tower is still standing? And Falcor says, I don't know. And then Bastion looks at the Orin and says, let's let the Orin guide. And does then, Bastion do this or does Atreyu do this? Or, sorry, Atreyu. I just, I'm sorry, I've I gotten like, confused. Atreyu. Confused. <laughs> Atreyu is on Falcor and Atreyu says, do you think the ivory tower is still standing? And Falcor doesn't know. So Atreyu looks down, sees the Orin, and is like, let's let the Orin guide. Which he should have been using this the whole time. Hopefully, in the book, he did use it more than once. <laughs> and um, he uses it, and somehow it's like a honing beacon. And then the fragments of Earth move, and there is I the ivory it. tower. Not Earth. No, it's large pieces of floating Earth. Like, not Earth the planet, Earth as in stone and rock and dirt. Yeah, that's not called Earth. That's just called... Yes. No, it's called Earth. No, it's not. <laughs> piece of Mercury breaks off and I go, look at the giant piece of Earth. No. Giant piece of Mercury. No. Yes. <laughs> okay, like, if you, oh. we blow up a lane, we don't go, oh, look, little pieces of, of Earth. Flesh. Say, you would say pieces of, of flesh. We say it's pieces what of What is that? Lane. That's a chunk of flesh. Mm-hmm. You're using a synonym. I'm just a flesh bag. All right. Meat sack. <laughs> Meat sack. 
just a skeleton riding around in a meat sack. All right, so. Them doobie fox. They see the ivory tower. Falcor lands and Atreyu goes inside the flower house to find the empress. She sits on a throne slash bed. Which and looks then, very comfortable. Unlike the, um, you know, so the king and... Game of Thrones just to sit on that fucking yeah, iron bunch throne. of iron fucking swords. Did she get the swords. couch? Yeah. Yeah, he got hosed. Wouldn't you want that? <laughs> I mean, she has been ill. I mean, good for her. Maybe if... She's like, I'm the empress. Give me something comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then um, she asks Atreyu why he's so sad. And he looks at her like she's an idiot. And is like, I well, failed. because I failed. And he gives her back the Orin. And <laughs> she says he hasn't failed. That he brought the child with him. And Atreyu is like, what are you talking about? And she's like, he's here with you right now. The child so you can save us all. Also from the 80s. And Atreyu is like, what? So Atreyu is like, you knew the whole time that you just needed to have a human kid give you a new name. And you sent me on this quest. And my horse died. And this is the worst. My life is terrible. And I failed. And I'm... And, the Mork almost cut my eye out. And she's like, it's the only way for you to go to get the child here. Because she looked at He suffered with you and he came with there were you. 13 million possible yeah. outcomes. And this is the one. She's like, it's the only way. He suffered with you. He came with you on your journey. And he's close. Even now, he's listening to every word that we say. So, Bastion, you can see it's like flashing to Bastion and he is like in disbelief. He's like, this is crazy time. Mm-hmm. And there's earthquakes in the ivory tower. And she tells him, as he shared your story, others are sharing his. They were with him when the bullies chased him down the street. They were with him when he went into the bookshop and found the book with right. the Orin on the so cover. So if you're reading this book and it's talking about your earlier today, <laughs> like, uh, like, whoa. <laughs> and then she says, if he doesn't appear, the world is going to disappear. And, Bas- and Atreyu is like, well, if he's here, if he's listening, then why doesn't he just come out? And she's like, he doesn't understand. He can't imagine that one little boy could be so very important. And then Atreyu's like, well, maybe he doesn't know what he needs to do. And then she says, just give me a new name. Just call it out. And she says, Bastion, please say my name. Say my name. And then we see Bastion having this internal conflict. But I can't. Do I believe? I gotta do I not? on the ground. But in I the end. I always found that line very annoying. In the end, he does it. He run, He puts the book down and runs to the window and shouts out to the ether. Do you know what word he said, Carly? Uh, we had closed captions on, yeah, so apparently I cheated. Tony said he never I said, knew I hated this. One thing I hated no, about this movie nobody is... nobody knew as a child. Because he goes, blah, 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 blah. No one could like, hear it. What? It was all this great mystery. <laughs> and we didn't have... And you find out that it's fucking Moonchild, and you're like, <laughs> you're like what? What? Because you didn't have uh, subtitles back then. No, and it was VHS. It was funny because, like, you really watched this you movie, like, but your mother's Moonchild. name is Moonchild. Yeah. But when you're watching this movie, like, I didn't know it was a book till I was a girl. Yeah, that's like, true. like if we, if you had known as a child that this was a book, you probably would have read the book the way just most, to hear what the fucking name is. Yeah, but mm-hmm. 
You yeah, would have checked it, is, it out at the library, or may, but nobody knew what it was. When you watch like, it. We always had that one kid who was like, "I know what the name was." Well, what was it? Oh, I can't tell you. Yeah. Well, I won't tell you. It's like, oh. or yeah, like the one kid that read the book, but they won't tell you because it's the great mystery because it's, it's like, Moonchild. It's like, well, why won't you tell me? Oh, I can't tell you. That's because you don't know. Yeah. And that was always the big debate. But it it was funny. Like in, but once you know that it's Moonchild, you, you can you can and now see you know, like, it. like like you can all right, hear that kid's new. He should look like an asshole. Be like it's Moonchild because no one would believe you. No one would believe you. It's Moonchild. No, it's not. No. Which, Elaine did the math, and his mother would have been a hippie. Yeah. So she would have named herself Moonchild. I don't think that Moonchild, I don't think she was named Moonchild. I think she named herself Moonchild. Yeah, she, she was probably adopted hippie. that name. Her name was probably like Elaine or something like that, or Betty. Because Bastion would have been born in the mid-70s, so she would have been a hippie. Um, but everything is dark. Like, wait, what? And... Moonchild. Okay, so now we have Bastion and Moonchild. It's very, very dark, and we see a tiny light, and the light is in the hand of Moonchild, <clears throat> and we see Bastion. Can we still call the child like Empress because that's much better than Moonchild. <sighs> well, Moonchild is a good name for a child like Empress, though. No. <laughs> so Bastion and the Empress are Thank sitting you. there, and it's Bastion has become in like he's no longer in the real world. He's now in Fantasia. And he says, what's that? Because in her hand is this glowing light. And she says, it's this single grain of sand. That's all that's left of my once great empire. She literally broke the fourth wall. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she tells him that Fantasia is gone, but it can live again through Bastion's dreams and wishes. And she tells him that he's, he's very upset because it's all gone. And she's like, well, if you, you know, you just need to make a wish. And... You can have as many wishes as you want. And oh, she's, he says, well, how many do I get? And she says, as many as you want. And the more wishes that you make, the more Fantasia will grow. And she gives him the grain of sand. And he's thinking, I want to make some weird shit. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, that he's was like, Star-Lord. Sorry. He's like, but wait, if, if I uh, want everything in the 80s to live forever, that doesn't make sense. And then now we live in this time where everything is from the well, 80s. <laughs> so like, she oh, gives good him, job. She gives him the this sand and tells him to make a wish. Way to go, Bastion, you douche hole. <laughs> And but it then he in the makes seventies or nineties, and so Bastion makes a wish, and he's right. We see him riding Falcor across the land of Fantasia, and he sees all the people that we have met at this see the point. The Rockbiter and Teeny Weeny and the Nighthawk, Artax. and we see um, Atreyu riding Artex, and we get the rad music, like, hey. and it's like the nothing was ne- never was, and. Um, He's, and Falcor asks him what he wants to wish for next. And he whispers in his ear and he goes, all right. And then we see them in the real world. And we see Falcor chasing the bullies. And Which we would see freak it, me the fuck out. We see innocent bystanders being really freaked out. But they chase the bullies <laughs> the down an alley. Like down behind a car. And then he yells, Dracarys. And he flamed all the bullies and they burned to death. Um, that, no. No? It would be no. a lot cooler if he did. Oh. That's what uh, I wish for. So then... We see them running down an alley, and to get away from Falcor, they uh, run in. They and hide Hogwarts in the dumpster. Yelling, ah! <laughs> it's like well, a giant flying dog is talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know it would be much cooler if he yelled at them. Because those little kids, you don't see it, but they actually say shit. Yeah. They, yeah. Well, they and, and they also. It's a good shit. thing they got got in that dumpster to decide, to hide the smell and then pee in their pants. Yeah. They wore the brown pants. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we then we hear a different narrator telling us that Bastion made many wishes before he went back to the real world. Now, in 
so this is like the first third of the book. And in the rest of the book, Bastion, like this was one of the things in all these reviews I read. So what happens is Bastion stays in Fantasia and eventually becomes king. And then he loses his memories. And then he goes back to the real world as like a boy. The same thing, very similar to like Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, So Wardrobe, it restarts? I think. I think so. I think it, well, that's what it made it sound like from what I read. But so he lives his I entire life as so. the king of Fantasia. And you're like, what happened to the Empress? Well... Many empires have smaller kings and queens underneath them. Mm. Yeah, he killed her. Or he hooked up and they were king. All right, John, why don't you go and you tell us all about what you love or hate. (laughs) Okay, so my favorite character is Falcor. My least favorite character is... That's really tough because there's really no character that I really don't like. Interesting. We'll go with um, the witch who stabs Falcor with the giant knife, I mean, the needle. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't really do much, but she's a wench. Or a witch. She's a wench wench. Yeah, witch wench. Wench wench. Yeah. Um, wench wench. Witch. My favorite scene has always been the end where uh, Bash is on the back of Falcor and he's chasing the bullies into the mm-hmm. dumpster. I always like that scene. It's fun. And I want to ride on the back of a luck dragon. Mm-hmm. You and every other kid in the universe? Yeah. Everybody born from like 1974 till 87. Okay. Um, my favorite line, anything Falcor says. Because <laughs> he's just really a chill dude. And my favorite tertiary object is going to be the bluebies. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. And I'll give this a yay. Okay. Um, I enjoyed it as a child. I don't enjoy, enjoy it so much mm-hmm. now because there's better stuff out there. And it's a product of its time, but rose-colored glasses, I still enjoy it. Okay. <laughs> Tell me. Uh, my favorite character is also Falcor and Gamork the Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favorite character is Atreyu, because mm-hmm. he doesn't have much of a character. He just kind of runs around. <laughs> He's just there. And they really could have made him a character, I think. Yeah, the Great Warrior didn't find anybody. <laughs> I did think when they said you have to leave your weapons here, I expected a scene where he was making weapons. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My favorite scene is when the statues start collapsing. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of cool. And I like the scene when it's the standoff between him and the wolf. Um, No lines. None of the real lines really stood out to me. But my favorite tertiary object is the crazy colored water telescope that yep. uh what's his name uses to see the to first see the thing it's really yep. neat it's got it's kind of like kaleidoscopy it kind of reminded me of uh back in the day i don't think they use them as much anymore but they used to have those giant um telescope tel- well no it was a giant microscope. what is it prism? microscope no no it was like these weird uh is it a prism thermometers mm-hmm. that you would buy and they had different colored Galileo balls in them yeah and they would, the right temperature would float up. People oh, yeah. have the people. They still use them. I don't know. I people seen have them. them as home decor. Okay, I hadn't seen them. I hadn't seen one in a long time, but they were really cool. They are cool. I'll yay this. It's uh, you know, yeah. If you look at it nowadays, it's kind of whatever. But I mean, this was a big deal when you were little. It's good, good for kids to watch. You could throw it on nowadays. There's not any like. There's not any extreme violence. There's no cussing. There's no bloody, you know. You can throw this on your kid now or 20 years, 40 years ago. So, you know, I'm always down for that for kids. You know? All right. And now the person who saw it as an adult, counterpoint, Carly. 
My favorite character, also... That's it. The Luck Dragon Dog. Mm-hmm. Luck War. I kept calling it the Luck Dog, and Tony was getting upset. It's a Luck Dragon. <laughs> it's clearly a dragon. Dogs don't fly. Well, because that was a problem. And it has a name. It's it has Falcor. a dog face. Well, it has fur, but I'm like, you can see he's the got scales. scales. He's got like, really no cool scales. iridescent and, scales. And it pissed me off because, like, the next six times they show them, they don't show at the right angle so you can see the scales. And I'm like, they're fucking scales, Carly. Because <laughs> there's no scales. It's all fur. And then finally they show them and you can see the scales. Like when, she's like, all right, gets, I guess they're scales. When he gets a shot, she's yeah, yeah. yeah, scales. But I wasn't... I forget I what part it was. Anyways, my least favorite character was Morla the Turtle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my favorite scene was the stuff with the scientist. Mm-hmm. I kind of got like uh, Princess Bride, yeah, yeah, Crystal and his wife vibes from yeah. yeah. Well, that was much later. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite tertiary object was Artax. And my favorite line was in the bookstore when the bookstore owner says, your books are safe. While you're reading them, you get to become Tarzan and Robinson Crusoe. And he says, but that's what I like about it. He says, ah, but afterward you get to be a little boy again. What do you mean? Listen, have you ever been Captain Nemo trapped inside your submarine while the giant squid is attacking you? Yes. Weren't you afraid you couldn't escape? But it's only a story. That's what I'm talking about. The ones you read are safe, and this one isn't. And I like that. (laughs) But did you like this movie? I will maybe. <laughs> okay. I didn't dislike it. Because she saw it in 2022. <laughs> I do feel like I don't have the nostalgia for it, and there are other movies that it kind of reminded me of that I like better. So. Mm. Well, the, <laughs> okay. well, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> when you watch a lot of these things as an adult for the first time, you're like, no. That's why it's interesting. <laughs> She's such a good barometer sometimes <laughs> of what it's is. Like, this is amazing. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> well. Personally, my favorite character is also Falcor the Luck Dragon. Oh. Wow, he got a clean sweep. Way to go, Falcor. My least favorite character is Bastion. I don't like that kid. So many of the bad reviews are about this kid's acting. Yeah, he was not um, a good actor. Like, none of the child actors are very good. Tonight. My favorite scene is when he wakes up um, outside the lab and then everything to the Southern Oracle. I, lo- I just like that whole sequence. I mean, article. Uh, my favorite line is to the winch wench because <laughs> I like it and I always wondered if that's why in the Princess Bride the line is I'm not a witch I'm your wife because it's very similar this was, that um, would have been a couple of years after this my favorite been writing this after he saw this movie my favorite tertiary <laughs> object is the butter so the butter. <laughs> in the breakfast scene between Bastion and his dad mm-hmm. on the table is a, a giant brick of butter brick of butter <laughs> now and I told this to John. In different part, this is not as weird as it seems because on the East Coast, butter comes in individual sticks, sticks yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Four sticks in a thing. But on the West Coast, butter doesn't come in individual sticks. It comes in a big brick. It, the brick is the same t- size as all four sticks together. But, like, that's... We actually watched a documentary about like food and that was in there and I thought that was the weirdest thing because I'd only ever seen butter and sticks but apparently certain parts of the country they don't see butter and sticks they see the butter and the brick hmm. and so and there's a lot of different places in the world where they get their butter and a brick. I know I know the weird thing in with, Germany so the weird thing with butter with my grandmother was she would she didn't refrigerate it mm-hmm. they had she had this giant honestly, a crock. stone a crock a but butter it, crock well no it was it was like a um I don't know it was like a 
dish. rectangle with a big heavy dish that you yeah. put on it so nothing could get to it. It's called and, a butter crock. Is that what it's called? Yes, yeah, 100%. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought the crocks way it's were. soft and spreadable. Yeah, yeah. That's why country crock is a tub of butter. Yeah, but this or, is nothing like a tub. Yeah, but it's like a big stone dish. It keeps the butter cold even when it's out on the counter. Yeah, it's but, a crock. You, but you lift or, it off of it. Yeah. Okay. But, like, but that's why country crack comes in a tub because it's like imitate it's imitation butter in an imitation cr- right. but like it's called a crack the okay. stone things that you, you know what this whole with. thing's a crock it's very interesting but john was so upset by this butter I'm like what's with the cherry fucking butter that i wrote it down I as said, my favorite tertiary object and he forgot about it because i thought that was gonna be I his like, tertiary <laughs> i think i like the sticks better it's way easier to measure yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> farley a lot of people who bake, though, I have not given my yay, nay, or may bake. Oh, shit. Oh, you, you, you I am going to yay it because I did, I still enjoyed it a lot. So I'd watch it again. A lot of people Well, you started playing the song. So. We, yeah. We're, we're on a time clock now. So you just get a wait. All right. Well, please find us on Facebook.com slash the underappreciated movie podcast. Or you can email unmoviepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And tune in next week. On the podcast. For John's pick. Oh, hey! His Halloween movie. My Halloween movie is The Craft. Not the new one. Not not The Craft. Um, not the boy one. Is it? Uh, no. Craft Legacy. This oh. is OG. Is this the movie about macaroni and cheese? Yes. No. 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 That's Crappet. Um, <laughs> Crappet? Does this craft use the powdered cheese or the... The liquid cheese. The liquid cheese. Okay. This is liquid gold. Oh, Velveeta? Liquid gold. Velveeta. Velveeta. <laughs> Which apparently used to be really delicious until Kraft bought it and messed with the recipe. Oh, is it shitty now? They put a bunch of preservatives and other shit Like, in we used to, in, like, Europe used to buy that shit from the United States because it was so good. And then, and then Kraft bought and it then and then it. bought it. Oh my God, Ooh, did you come over here just to shit? <laughs> Jesus Christ, He said, he said crap, I got you. Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crap. <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ. That's right. We we don't yeah. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>